2: I've got up early and driven across the Welsh borders, up the Welsh borders, to Shropshire, to these wonderful hard-ridged hills, wooded flanks, to Stiperstones, where I'm meeting a young farmer, Alex Chidley Utley, whose family have farmed here for many generations. In this season of the podcast, the Nature and Countryside podcast from BBC Farm magazine, we are exploring voices of the countryside. So Alex, I'm keen to hear her voice, her take on rural life as as a farmer in these hills. My name is Fergus Collins and I'm the host of the podcast. So join me for a lovely explore of this wild and deeply rural place. I'm off to meet Alex. What are we going to do first? You're going to show me around, and then
3: yeah, let's have a look. We'll go into the lambing shed or the big shed. The so big shed. The big okay. shed. It's usually called the big shed, and then this time of year it's called the lambing shed because, I see. Unsurprisingly, it's where they're lambing. So it's we'll a come Good, on.
2: healthy smell of straw, and we've got <laughs> loads of little pens. Of... Loads
3: of little pens. Yeah, it's interesting you say this because I've gone nose blind to this now, but I imagine you can. they'll It's a lovely morning, sweet
2: straw smell. Um, so. We've got a fresh bed down. So we've got. You're in the middle of lambing season, so we I'm are intruding yeah. on this sort of precious time. <laughs> what time did you get up this morning?
3: I got up. So I did a check at four, went back to bed, and then I was up again at half five. So at the moment we're um, fuelled on very little sleep. I was going to say sheep then. Very sheep. Very sheep. <laughs> sheep. That wasn't even deliberate. <laughs> it just comes in all the time. Um, so yeah, it's, we're doing uh, checks every couple of hours. I did it. Um, with a shorter gap because of the storm last night, I thought I'd come and check yeah, them all, storm but they were. Dudley, we should say was it Dudley? Dudley. Yes,
2: Dudley. What a name for a storm, but it was a.
3: The, it was quite intense, but they were all, um, you know, they, they'd been hunkered down. They, they were all absolutely fine, so it didn't didn't touch them. But. Um,
2: so who are we looking at here? We've got a load of ewes and lambs in these stalls. What's what's how how long ago did these lamb?
3: So these girls, it's been going on for. Well, they came in just before Christmas, just to be fed and everything, and then they've been lambing really since. They were due from about the 10th of January, but we didn't until kind of getting towards the end of January. These guys, mostly their lambs are about a week or so old, bit over. They'll probably go out this weekend into the bigger shed around the back. Um, but it's a bit mixed. Some of them will stay in because on whole, we've got very healthy lambs. There'll be, Occasionally one who's born a little bit weak or something might not be quite right. So my uncle... Um, Who's the farmer here? He will um, keep them in, and we'll keep an eye on them. Check you know, any eye problems, things like that. Keep an eye on them, and then um, and just make sure. Also, you get ones that aren't maybe feeding that well sometimes, but these guys are really they're bonny they now. So they're so doing these well. These
2: are only a week old. Well, some some yeah. are a bit
3: over, but there's yeah. I mean, they look so probably bony. ten days. Oh, when they're born, there's some that come out, and honestly, um, you would think they were they were almost like donkeys, and they come <laughs> <They're> out absolutely <laughs> huge. Because some will do it unaided, but usually. Um, when the hill sheep come in, which are the next round coming in in a couple of weeks, they will, mostly they will do it on A.D. They have smaller lambs, they're smaller sheep. These are quite big ewes, and quite a lot of them need their lambs pulling. And I think if you can see that some of these are the oh, a week, 10 days old,
2: so you need, can imagine. So they need a bit, bit of extra care. bit of
3: intervention, yeah. So um, there's a lot of um, getting your hands so in places. I'm
2: not, I'm not bad on birdsong, but I'm not very good on sheep ID. What, <laughs> what breed of sheep are these that we are looking at?
3: So they're going to be quite mixed. My uncle is very good at um, crossings in terms of which tups he puts with ewes and things like that, so he's got two Suffolk tups, and um, you can always tell the Suffolk lambs, because they'll have the floppy ears, and they usually have, um, they're usually pretty slow when they're first born, but they're quite stocky. So and floppy ears, like Suffolk. Yeah, exactly, they okay. kind of flop down. So the Welsh she's that, that one there, in the middle pen, she's a Welshie, because she's got that sort of um, she'll have a bit of text or something in there as well, but she'll definitely have some well she's quite a strong gene so they usually have sort of slightly pointier faces and they're a bit finer
2: so these slightly wider faces te- Texels
3: Texels yeah, yeah okay. and then that's this cool. one here with the eyes there those yeah, quite there's a marking that comes off the eye and looks quite deep set yeah, that would okay. be Beltex
2: oh gosh so, so you're that, so is a those deep mark, dark that, groove coming down yeah that's a very
3: Beltex trait
2: this is the best introduction to sheep I've <laughs> been given I've met a few thumbs of these yeah um, so at the moment you've got Say so twenty odd ewes in here.
3: Yeah, so, so this is the last run. Yeah.
2: The last run. Of, so.
3: of this lot. Yeah. Okay. The others around the back we can go and have a look at those, Yeah.
2: So, so they're out and about. Some you've put back on the on the hill.
3: Well, they they won't go out yet because we we don't allow them outdoors. I mm-hmm. um, never never have. Um, but you know, lot lots of people do, and that's fine. But we do everything indoors, and so they go. When I say they go out, they go round the back where that little hatch is, and I'll take you round there. And there's another bigger shed, and they're all in there. So we mark them up, tail them that sort of thing and then my uncle does that my cousin take them round, and they all kind of run around together and then um yeah that's that's it but these nice. guys they'll probably go out this weekend they're they're ready to go because they're looking we've got a lamb now looking
2: when i first arrived here we, we did a little bit of strawing. you did and watering, yeah and the water was really buckets fun. you were brilliant but, well thank you
3: that's a, that's <laughs> oh my time. Bucket, it was filling, great
2: filling buckets full of water is one of my <laughs> great skills. Um, could you, for listeners, mm. could you sort of describe the farm? So, sort of how big it is, and who yeah. works here, and, and sort of just give us a little picture of.
3: Of course, what, what of course. Like. So, it's it's a small farm. Um, it's very old-fashioned and um, as I said earlier there's a you know there's friends of mine who have always compared it to somewhere like an episode of, of Heartbeat or something like that is you know and I think I go around dressed like green grass but it's it's probably I think it's around about 100 acres roughly so it's not it's not very big oh, that's not a big farm not a big farm at all but um, and we've got I think it's around 300 sheep and about 20 cattle um, but you know, it's, it's self-funded and it's a, it's a really good little, you know, we don't have loads of animals, but the ones we have are very good quality. And as I say, my uncle's very good at the breeding and, you know, I, I do the feeding and everything. So the way they're looked after and the way they're bred, they're really solid, good stock. Um, it's amongst the Shropshire Hills and it's very kind of Wuthering Heights, very lived in but um, the animals are very, beautiful. Yeah. There's these <laughs> I love hills it. around. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, like yeah. in
2: amphitheatre of hills to the east, I guess. Is that east that I would think so, yeah, because yeah.
3: Ludlow, yeah, if Ludlow's going the other way, yeah, that's yeah. south. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my compass, is where's Ludlow and where's Shrewsbury to the north, Ludlow to the south. But it's, yeah, these animals, I think everything... Lots of hurdles, kind of tied and repaired a bits of str- a string. Is ubiquitous here. It's
2: bailer twine. it twine is everywhere. Farm, farmers' tool.
3: Oh um, yeah, in my pockets. And there's always a pen knife somewhere. And you've always got the veterinary gloves and gel and things like that so if the girls go you can quickly say grab the gel grab a glove what's the um, gel for is
2: that for helping yeah bring, that's, bring a, that's that's um that's l- a lubricant,
3: l- it. i was gonna say i didn't know what words i was allowed to use but so that's f- an aid to i think we're allowed to, <laughs> to what nature maybe needs a little bit of a, yeah, a okay. hand and so that's where the gel comes in but um, <laughs> good good <laughs> you're
2: in safe hands girls um, oh
3: yeah. yeah oh they're hilarious like some of the stories and things they do they just they we get ones jumping out of pen, because they're all different characters, you see. So some will clear a pen and jump out, others will just sleep the day away. You know, they're all completely different.
2: So your working day begins in the small hours at the, morning, at the moment? Yeah,
3: yeah, during lambing. And then generally, outside of lambing, it'll start about seven. I'll come and... I'll be up just before seven, but I'll come out at seven to feed and then, um, you know, get everything ready. Because my at the weekends, my uncle will usually come over about half eight, nine. He'll do um track to work and all that sort of thing so i like all the feeding and everything out the way then so if he has to come around and check them all you know everyone's penned and ready you can just have a look and see what's what um and then yeah then i kind of start again at about five o'clock and do all the feeding so again you have
2: a little break in the afternoon
3: well when we're not lambing when we're lambing so yes, no it's no, every no, couple no. of hours That's and in the height of it every hour because they will pop like corks
2: Brilliant. well let's have a look at the other um...
3: yeah should i take you around you can see this lot yeah and there's a few carries as well. There's um, the bull Will's in. He was shouting this morning. I heard um, a
2: bellowing of... Um,
3: yeah, he's a bit cross about something. He is a real uh, character, actually. My uncle, which I just love, it goes in there with him and he rubs his back with a broom just to get any of the tufts of... He's a charolet, just to get any of the tufts of, of his... We call it his wool and get his wool off. But he's, um, he's very sweet. So it's a bit mucky around here. You need your uh, wellies.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah, good. But, I, have, um, I have a delightful sheepdog um, oh, Shep. uh Just r- pushing her head against my knee. And when I'm not paying her any attention, her, him. Her, him, her Shep, her,
3: yeah, very much. yeah Not
2: paying her any attention. She's pouring at my leg. Yeah, she's she really will. pressing against me. She's <laughs> <laughs>
3: She's, she's persistent.
2: So you've got real menagerie here. I've oh, met so honestly. Far, six dogs.
3: Six dogs, yeah, and then <laughs> sheep and. Cows. And all sorts. And so, fish, yeah. Fish. Fish. A
2: big pond full of big fish.
3: Oh yeah, that's Mum's pride and joy. So she's.
2: Ah, okay, so now we're heading through the farmyard.
3: So these are the cows. So we've got these ones have not. So these are uh, young heifers we have got there. This oh, is Will.
2: calves as well. So
3: she's she's not long calves. So that I think that one's about two weeks old. Okay. And then she's due. I mean, the vet said pretty soon, but she hasn't gone yet. So right. it's kind of a watching game. So my uncle brought her in, and she'll stay in here now until she. She cars. We're looking. She hasn't really bagged up that much, but
2: bagged up, which means the sort udder, of when, yeah. when
3: the oh, the, the udder, the Yes. Yeah, so, well, the stomach. When they've got a big udder, and then the the belly will drop usually right before. But she's her udder isn't really that big yet. Or there. I've left a bucket out. I've just seen that. So, I mean, I'll get that in before my uncle sees it. Oh, <laughs> he's going oh get in trouble. Do you? <laughs> well, he's
2: you know he, sort he's, comes he's, up and goes he
3: misses <laughs> nothing. He's like a hawk. But. Um, Oh, hello. So these, these are the other girls. It. Oh, yeah, these girls will... Um... Oh, we can get in and if you're happy to climb yeah, over. That's, um, a bit of in. Yeah, let's...
2: Climbing in with the... With the sheep. Oh, God, but, uh... I'm not as nimble as I used to be. There
3: we go. That is one thing you do find. It's almost a bit like Pilates. You can clear these hurdles in those. I think it's very well, good. Well,
2: you can. I, I'm... Uh, <laughs> yeah.
3: You get very used to it. Um, so I strawed these girls last night, so they're looking a bit cosy. We go out and climb up on there. That, I suppose health and safety is probably not the best, but I get that lad to climb up there and toss the straw down in big chunks and they just spread it around because they I get be so excited. Just,
2: just have a kip up there. Yeah, <laughs> 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 it's just that there's a sort of hay... Uh, balcony, a balcony of hay. Right?
3: Yeah, like an old-fashioned well, loft, isn't it, really? But it's, yeah.
2: So we're completely surrounded by lovely-looking lambs and so their mums. Guys. And uh guys. And, yeah, it looks like we've had a good, a good year, then, so yeah, far.
0: Yeah,
3: oh, they, they've been doing really well. And we've got, you know, there's some little, absolute little belters here. But you can see, you know, he, she's pretty chilled. Others will come and have a look. I mean, they know, it's funny, they know who's new. So if you get walkers, there's a footpath through the farm. So if walkers go through... Um, they know not to shout. But if I appear, or my uncle, they'll shout because they associate us with, you know, feeding or doing stuff.
1: Really, So, yeah, it's, it, it's so funny.
3: They, they say, like, you know, sheep definitely know the difference between people.
2: And sheep and are know. cleverer than people, the, the cliché of sheep being daft.
3: I, is... Yeah, it's never one I've understood because I no. tell you what, they'll, 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 they run amok and they really, even my sister, so she came up, and they don't shout at her, so they even know she, you know, they know what's what. And they're much bossier. My mum said they're much bossier to me. So I think they've taken the measure that I'm a soft touch so they really, <laughs> I have to come in here with a bucket on top of my head and kind of wade through them because they really will give you, you help they'll, um, they'll knock you about But that's quite that's a muley looking one actually, so you get a lot of um, a
2: mule, yeah. yeah you get a lot
3: of um, lesters, that's the, the
2: mule just speaking
3: that's the mule, yeah that's her so she knows we're talking about it she her, wait, there, there she deeper goes
2: voice. So, tell me about mule, mules.
3: So, you'll get a lot of Leicesters in, um, Leicester. I can't remember what percentage it is, but they'll say that are in, in sheep. So, that, that Roman nose, that profile, yeah. she's, oh, that's more Welsh but yeah, that one she's gone uh, off again of sli- is.
2: Slightly
3: Romanesque yeah. profile, yeah, is, is a very kind of mule looking. She's probably got, so the speckled one there with a longer face, yeah. that's very Clun Forest cross so she'll be watered down but that's a usually those ones have got a clun sort of look and they'll have speckled clun, legs as well which
2: is, uh, which is shropshire deep shropshire
3: deep shropshire yeah deep shropshire so, so clun's it. and then you've got those sort of more and i say this affectionately me but those kind of slightly more piggy looking i'm trying to find an example in here hello girl you're a bit clunny as well aren't you yeah will be so just there you see the the one with the grey face, and there's a smaller one next to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's very Beltesi, and then so there's...
2: Beltex is a mix of Texel and. Uh... Well, Beltes, yeah, is oh, it's is own, a... is its own breed, oh, yeah.
3: But it's um, Texels have got much more of a. They're very stocky, quite, quite... square
2: headed, I think. Yeah, and they're looking a little bit piggy as well, like, in yeah, a cute
3: way. Yeah. But um, you can see, and you can always tell the lambs that have had. Any doubt. Da- so our textile tops are in the, f- the field just there. You'll oh, okay. see them.
2: These are these are the these yeah. are the main
3: the <laughs> yeah, So they are around somewhere. Oh, there they are. can you see, can you see that very piggy look that yes. they have? They're over there because I threw them to sugar beet this morning. And
2: They've done their work.
3: Oh, they've done. Yeah, and they um, they're pretty chilled now. But they, I mean, they'll go in with the girls and you can always tell when they've had a break because we'll have a flurry of ewes lambing over about a week where they just go bam 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 yeah. and then there'll be about four days of nothing and I think oh right the top's had a couple of days having, off having <laughs> <a cigarette. laughs> they a, yeah they're having a cigarette and a kip um, and then they kind of they, they got they got back on the horse as it were but um, you know those guys
2: so, so now they have a bit of a rest now, yeah they're, when, when, they're when just chill when do you chill. put them in with the for the next tuping?
3: so he'll go we'll got the, they won't go now until um, further on into the year because we're going to have the spring lambers as the January Lambers type well it's a five month gestation so yeah getting more towards the end of summer so, and so then we'll scan again in November to see how they're getting on. I see. And then they'll come in just before Christmas to lamb in January. And then he'll put the tops to the ones the spring lambs a bit further on still. Oh, I see.
2: So this this is, is Will the Bull. Will the Bull. He's so, a lovely sort of fawn colour.
3: Yeah um, he's a Charolais. Funny so he's of...
2: Charolet okay or
3: well, probably Charolais Cross I think at this point yeah. but He's got a little curly hair, but he's a bit bald at the moment. He does get very hairy. Right. Um, and this is winter
2: sort of plumage, then, is it? Yeah, basically.
3: <laughs> but he's so relaxed. But my uncle will come in tonight and straw them with a machine that you put the bale in, then it blows it out into into the shed. It's quite nice. funny actually to watch. And so this girl, she's due pretty soon. She dragged all her hay through, so that's.
2: So what breed is this? this is an
3: expected? She'll for. be. I. She'll be a I'm not sure which one I mean. We've got a bull at the moment who's a Hereford cross, but
2: she looks a bit Herefordy. Yeah,
3: yeah. she does, yeah. But she's um okay,
2: listen, let's see if we you can catch her head snorting into the be... She probably eat no. There
3: you go. <laughs> so you can always put your hand to her and she might snort in here if you do. Come on, girl.
2: No, she won't play ball now. shaking her head.
3: Isn't that yeah, that's it. When you want them they won't they won't do it.
2: So tell me about your family then. You've been farming here for a... how long have your family been farming this. This land, so, in this area,
3: we came to this particular farm um, at the end of the nineteen fifties. My grandfather, my late grandfather, or our late grandfather, I should say, bought it. And then, but the actual hills, for a long time, have been farming in Shropshire for since about. It's been Chidley's farming in the Shropshire since about the seventeen fifties. Seventeen
2: fifties. Yeah, it's been so farming
3: in Shropshire in general. Yeah. Um, my
2: incomers. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then my. Um, my grandmother, we call her Nanny. Nanny's family um, are from Shropshire and from Saan as well. And they used to farm out towards Wesley, um, which is a little village. And they've been farming for generations. They also farmed up at Shelve which isn't far away. So, again, they've been farming here for, for well, centuries, really, um, both, both families. And so my, um, my late grandfather bought this place in, um, yeah, the end of the 50s. And it was a little tiny, it was a, a bit of a farm, but it was a little tiny cottage and as they did in those days, they weren't the most sensitive about preserving that sort of thing, so he sort of just built a bigger, more modern... You know, these days, it's more about restoration, isn't it? But the old buildings are original, those little sheddy ones there, and they're over 100 years old. I mean, I mean, the hills, we've had common rights since um, before the First World War. And my... Um, sorry, Fergus, I'm kind of walking around. here it.
2: Oh, yeah, this, this is a, is a shed oh, it, yeah, this is a the for of
3: buckets. That <laughs> my, um, that is Stepto's yard in that shed. <laughs> my um, yeah. great grandfather uh, gave up the commoners' rights to go to the Second World War, and then when he came back, he took them on again. And his, yeah, so um, his son, my great grandfather, um, had them, and now my uncle, his son has them. So there it is. And
2: they come tied with the land, do they, the, the commoners' rights or is it? Yeah,
3: usually the... I mean I'm not I suppose it's one of those things, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but I suppose because they've had them for so long it's kind of been passed and we share it with another family who live just down the way and they've been there for years as well. And we go up on the hill um and my uncle gets up on the quad and they'll go up in the land rover and things and we'll go and pick get the sheep and drive them off and we'll do it usually in two or three lots and just drive them off the hill. And you see walkers and things up there. And, um, you know, they'll look at us like we're mad because you're just suddenly running through the heather. And I suppose it's a bit like beating, really. You have to clap and shout and whistle. Yeah. And we're flushing these sheep out. And they all come running across. And it's it's amazing. And they come down all this hill. you do, you do a, hill.
2: Your, your human sheepdogs? Sort of
3: yeah, thing, basically. Yeah. yeah, because the sheepdogs you have seen, as you've seen, are very sweet, but they're near useless. I mean, <laughs> Shep, Blesser is actually a deterrent because... When we bring them in for shearing off that hill, they'll come in. She just runs in front of them, barking. Oh dear. So my poor uncle's going, go away, Shep! And she's just yeah. going, and sends them back up.
1: So she's oh, sort of
3: the anti-sheepdog, really.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. There's a use for a sheepdog like that, but yeah. uh, anti-sheepdog.
3: She's, um, yeah, she's lovely, but her work ethic is jumbled, to say the least.
2: So you've been here for quite a while. Were you born here, then? Who I
3: was born here, yeah. So um, I grew up here, my sisters did, and my... My uncle lives just over there and his children as well.
2: So, who's so this house? Is this part of the farm? Yeah. So, this is
3: Nanny's house. Okay, this is my lovely whitewashed yeah.
2: uh, beautiful farmhouse with lovely views across. And then beside it, there's a cream house.
3: This is my mum and dad's house here. Oh, I see, so, right. this is where we grew up. Yeah. And then my uncle's just over the way. And then the fields, you've got the fields across there. Well, I can show you a little bit. Yeah, walk let's across if you want to have a look.
2: So you've been farming here. Have you always farmed here then? Are you yourself?
3: You? Um, so well, no, because I we always helped and did things. Like my, uh, my late grandfather was quite a, my uncle's a lot easier to work for. My oh, really? grandfather was quite a character. I mean, my uncle's a character as well. But um, it was we always helped as children and things like that. And then I went, you know, went to university. And you know, my cousin has done it from a little boy, and he's, I mean, bless him, he's really worked. I kind of sort of always helped him bits and bobs. And then really for the last few years, I've got into it much more and just love it and then
2: so we've just walked over down Little Lane It's a bit windy but we've arrived in a very sunny spot and you Not call it the
3: rough the rough
2: so
3: it's... this is when they go on the rough so here
2: it's it's a rough field but full of
3: it's immense. very literal
2: yeah I mean let's get some scratchy sounds of us walking through <laughs> oh
3: signs these... are your thing yeah this is the spot yeah but, it's, um...
2: but this is amazing there's, there's these ant hills I can't think of them there can't be anything else
3: I think, you, I mean, you'll know more than me on that one, fellas, I think, cause some...
2: But they are, like, they're, you know, 18 inches high, and proper little termite mounds. so It fantastic. looks bizarre, doesn't you it?
3: Mean, it's, I don't know, it's a very wild place, and it sort of feels a bit Welsh, it's a bit English, you know, it's such a mix of things, and it's so untouched by kind of glamour and
2: things. Oh, it does have that fit, I mean, just those hills, and the way it sort of tumbles down... You know, you've got a few fields here which look sort of, sort of more lowlandy type fields, but yeah. actually everything is just feels like the wild is nudging at the at the door.
3: Feels almost like it's, like it should be out of a you know these legends when you you know in this place as you go and you can hear the old legends that are tied to the land and it feels like here that wouldn't really be a stretch of the imagination or local superstitions and things like that. You don't feel that that's far fetched here. You feel that all that sort of thing might well live in the land still.
2: What was that story you you alluded to? A stone that the grandfather. Oh yeah. Hit?
3: If we don't get stuck, we well, are walking in. <laughs> Maybe just stuck stuck in the mud in a minute. Yeah,
2: this is this is <laughs> this is proper deep.
3: This is a stroke of genius, wasn't it? Let me say, let's walk down here. Yeah. Um, so there was there's a field up the way, and um, it was there's a there was a big stone in it, and my grandmother told me this story. Oh, this stone is tied to a local legend, and it's said that you're not supposed to so move it. it's like it. an
2: ancient boundary stone. Yeah,
3: something. it's like this big old. Slab of a stone thing, And in the 60s, my late grandfather got this stone moved by two men that were labouring for him and helping. And then, anyway, it's considered cursed, and this is a true story. And the two men, not instantly, but over a stretch of time, both died, and not at massive ages. One had quite an unusual type of cancer, and the other was killed in an accident with his tractor. Oh,
0: my goodness. And it was just
3: considered, and so my grandfather took a post, painted it white, put it next to the stone and hammered it in the ground... And uh, whenever he was doing the, the hay and that kind of thing, cutting, they still do it. They cut around it, Yeah, and it's still there, but the post is still next to it. Oh, wow. The white paint has chipped off quite a lot, but they still cut around it.
2: So I can't believe that the sun is shining, and we're actually getting warmth after the last few days of this storm. Oh, I can't remember the breath <laughs> wading up that hill. Um, it's,
3: um, yeah, the good old... It your landscape. It does undulate. So, and it, it's funny, you don't... The hills...
2: taking actually. The view that, so what, what... Is this sniper Stones here? Or what's this...
3: So the sniper Stones is over the way.
2: Okay, that's got Behind the sort of, that hill, yeah. Like a dragon's back of, like, um stones. Oh,
3: the, yeah, exactly. The devil's chair. Yeah. And then you've got... You can see the old sheep path coming down that hill right in front of us. Yes, okay. And then you've got what's called the, the other... Side, that round sort of hill there, mountain, really. The other side, that's a cloudburst. Yeah. And that's because back in... I think it was the 50s, probably a bit before, there was a really bad storm and it just flooded the top of the hill and it's still there, it's all this sort of residue. Oh, and also during the Second World War, a plane crashed up there and um, there was still a wreckage when my mum was there as a little girl.
2: So what we've got here in the view just is, is these, these hills sort of have bare stone poking out, like, bones, and then it, it, and then quite sharp ridges. Yeah. So do you... Your sheep, is this where your sheep would graze on the common land?
3: They'd go... Or? They'll go all across that hill. Yeah. And then they go up by the tin house as well, and they'll go over towards by the stipend stones, and they'll graze... So it's, it's a fair area, and You've they... You've got
2: a big area of land that you need yeah. to... Yeah. And, I mean, I'm interested in how you keep control of sheep that are out on the commons... It's... Or out on the common land, um, because... I, I live in the Brecon Beacons and I'm, yeah. I'm sort of walking out in the wilds and there are sheep with marks on their backs. And yeah. Do you just sort of go, right, there off for the summer and I will find them in the, in the autumn. I
3: come back. You know, it's interesting and that's a really good question because the last year English um, nature have taken on a hill shepherd to do that to keep an eye on any common you know to be up there all the time because of walkers and dogs on leads and monitor that oh, kind really? of thing so
2: someone's up there all through the summer pretty much
3: yeah. um, but my uncle will go up and have a look and his uncle so my great uncles will go up occasionally on the quad I think, just to keep an eye on yeah. things but you know these sheep it's so in them now they know the hills and my uncle chooses which ones go up and I mean these guys here that you can see here these are, oh. these are old now so they won't see another summer up there because it'd be a bit too much for them. But um,
2: so they they just stay in these lowland pastures. Yeah, they do, like, and then they'll move along when the grass runs sentimentality out. Sentimentality here then of, of these old sheep who've oh, done there. Oh yeah, their, done they've their...
3: they've kind of served their bit. I mean, the ones that go on the hill, they'll bring themselves down, mm. and they'll start appearing above the cow field. And oh, my really? uncle was always say, Oh yeah, they'll go up in early October. My uncle to the to the dot will say. In a couple of days, they'll start appearing, and they start coming down the track, and you kind of hear that, and they start shouting, and there they are—they're making their way down. And these guys would have been up there many times. So, in terms of sentimentality, that's the one with the tuft—that's okay, sort of almost yeah. mohawk, really. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's she's Mary. A, she's a
2: sort of white sheet.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, she's a real. She she's got the model face and a mohawk, and she she was born and she was tiny, and she was born in the in January years ago now, and she, it was really bleak, really snowy winter. My my late grandfather's still alive. And she couldn't stand. And so he got. Do you remember when walkers used to come in those cardboard boxes? I don't know if they still do it. But he cut two holes, four holes, sorry, in a crisp box and put her legs in it by the, by the fire, his log fire. And her legs were dangling down, he said, to give her the strength oh, and slowly it's really built like up. Like a harness. Yeah, basically. She... And, and it worked. By gum, it worked. And now four, there she people. is. And she's a, quite a good age now. The Hebridean, I believe, is about 16, my cousin says. She's a little black. Yeah, uh, with the horns.
2: Dark brown, black sheep with, with horns, yes. So yeah. the females of uh, the ewes of Hebrideans have horns.
3: Yeah, most so a lot of the traditional breeds, because Hebrideans are a very old breed, mm. um, aren't polled. Texels and things like that are, it's more of a modern Pold thing generally. Pold is,
2: um, is where, where their You
3: yeah. have... uh, can have them removed yeah. as well, but yeah, but the Hebrideans, that's it, she's a, that is a real traditional purebred Hebridean. Well, <laughs> she's well, tiny. She,
2: so she's had lots of lambs over the
3: years she's yeah and then she's because she's one of the my my grandfather came home with a flock of them once i'm sure my uncle thought oh goodness me <laughs> um and so they're they're a rare breed and um he came home with them and she's the last i mean there's a couple that her descendants and one of them i've got called sybil who will stay here but she's one she's the last kind of one that came here and The so last
2: my, of that of your yeah uh, so my uncle oh, said please. in a moment
3: of tenderness said yep yeah, go on then she can stay And so there she is. And we've got Joey, who's a a weather... Now, I call him a bellwether, but my uncle says he's not a bellwether. So I suppose for anyone that doesn't know, a weather is a castrated male. Okay. So you've got a teaser who... um, is um intact but has had his tubes cut um so he can't
2: impregnate so he can't
3: impregnate but he can i don't know warm yeah, them up let's say yeah arise you. yeah i never know what the cuddle what i'd say but yeah he can he can <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know well, he can throw a few logs on the we're fire dancing
2: around the edges <laughs> and yeah. Um, yeah.
3: um and so yeah as i say you can put a few logs on the fire and get it you know and then the tops tu- <laughs> the tu- the <laughs> yeah, come okay, and very nice. much stoke the yeah. fire but so but poor old joey was robbed of that honor and joey was born again in the height of winter warming to the theme and he was, um, he was a cade. His mum cast him off and he came to live in the house. And because he was the only cade that year...
2: Cade, that's another... I've never heard that for sheep.
3: Oh, a cade all the is... Are, all
2: the other terms I've A cade
3: with. is a lamb that's either cast off or is orphaned. And touch wood... I'm going to actually touch wood. We haven't yeah. had any this year. We've been very lucky. We've got very good mums. But, um, and we haven't lost any. But he was a cade. His mum... I think, if I remember correctly, he was part of a double, which is twins, and his mum didn't want him. Oh, and poor, poor, poor Joey Poor Joey And so he came in the house But because the snow was so bad He stayed in the house for quite a while And we ended up putting a nappy on him so he can't run around the house Weeing and doing all the defecating So, yeah. And he would come with us to, through the village we walk the dogs And he would walk with us And he's still really tame And I say he's like a bellwether Because a bellwether historically Would lead the sheep on the hill And things like that And you still find medieval bells That used to wear And that's oh, why they're it's called bellwethers
2: Bellwether, bellwether. It's, it's, it's passed into wider... Into language. a term, yeah, yeah exactly.
3: Yeah. And so I said that and my uncle says he's no bellwether. And anyway, we brought them in last summer <laughs> and he came running through at the front of the ewes, went onto the side, knocked my mum's plant pot over and started running amok. And my uncle said, there's your bellwether. And I thought, yeah, so he's probably not technically a bellwether, but he's very tame and so much so that actually he'll come and grab your pockets and things and see if you've got any nuts in there.
2: So did he have his t- sort of tackle removed? He,
3: yeah, he was. so when they're, they're tailed and castrated... Um, which any so male lamb... you didn't want to use him as a top. No, no. and and it generally, um, we've got some homebred tarts, but generally most of the marcastration go for either early meat or go on for whatever else you decide to do or sold on. But um, he was kept, and my uncle acquiesced and said, fine, he can stay, but we're not to make a habit of it and now he's lumbered with this (laughs) weather that whenever they try and do stuff... He used to go in with the ewes, and sometimes he comes in with a hill sheep, but, he, I mean, he knocks down hurdles. The lambing pens that you saw, he will knock those down and try and get their hay and things. I mean, he has a terror. So my uncle is very patient when really a lot of farmers wouldn't be. Well,
2: I was going to say, a lot of farmers that I've spoken to have have made it quite explicit. There's no room for sentimentality or for Mm. keeping on a, a spare animal that will eat into profits. But here... You've, you've sort of respected that they've... Well, perhaps not Joey, who hasn't, <laughs> hasn't given you back <laughs> loads, of, loads of lambs or lots of... Uh, but obviously there's, there's, he's given you something over the years.
3: He has. Um, I mean, I think, Joey, sometimes... I, I think you can't always give kindness and generosity and expect anything back. I think that defeats the object of doing yeah. it. Um, and I think, you know, it's good to feel like that when you do it to Jerry, because that kindness couldn't have been bestowed on a less grateful candidate. But I think it's, um, you know, I think everything's oh, so... Jerry. Oh, Jerry. Classic Jerry. I think, you know, not to be too, um, look at them watching us here, but yeah, not to yeah. be too cliche about it all. I think it's, you know, everything's so pe- fast paced now. Everything's got a price. Everything, what's it worth? What does it give us? And I think sometimes it's worth sitting back a little bit, enjoying them, getting to know their characters and actually just appreciating something for what it is not what can it do for us and what can we take from it some things just are I and I sometimes I think that's enough isn't it
2: that's a lovely thing to hear because
3: you know whilst I you know I'm, I'm not surrounded by grandeur or anything like that I think there's a lot of people living lives that you know we see on the news everywhere and, it, and it, there's so much that you wish we could do to help people and I think every day I come outside and I stand in these fields I put my wellies on and yes it might be five in the morning it might be two in the morning it might be seven but I'm doing something that is I love and I'm surrounded by nature it's you know i'm very lucky i'm breathing healthy air there's no threats around me you know apart from joey occasionally but i think it's you know <laughs> yeah. we're very lucky and i think it's you know sheep it's work of passion i think i've grown up with it and i think it's in me to love them but actually i just love i love the landscape i love the sheep and Gosh,
2: would, that's I enough for me stroke. really I mean, you're, you're so busy but this is a really beautiful view mm. i've got a couple of questions what who are these used then in the field beside us? They don't have lambs?
3: No. So these, we can go and have a look and hopefully yeah. the weather's okay. So these guys are having a little little nosy ass. That's mm. a Suffolk there you can see with the black face. And I like Suffolk. Oh, well, yeah. she's probably a Suffolk cross, which is quite small, but she's got a lot of suffolk um jeans in her. Yeah. Um, so these will be the yearlings. And so they will have, uh, the lambs from last year.
2: And so they, okay, so they will they be
3: are... here... And they'll, um, they'll probably won't go to the top for a bit longer yet. But these are the youngsters usually these are the that are here. This is the basis
2: for your next generations. Yeah. Oh, so these okay. these are
3: the youngsters that come here, which is why they're a little bit and they're a little bit smaller than the ones in the um, the shed. But the hill sheep will be smaller. Some of these will be hill sheep as well, um, probably this coming summer. And so they're all bred slightly differently. So the January, the early meat trade come from big ewes. They're a bit more Junoesque, and these guys are much more adept to being out. And they're going to be good on the hills. They've got so at the back. They're a little bit more Welshy looking. Shorter, good fleeces, pointier faces. There's one having a wee there. <laughs> you know, performance pressure. She's thought we're watching. Yeah, Better ca- give them a show.
2: Can't quite get that. <laughs> um, so the ones, the, the lambs that we've seen in the shed. Yeah. That's the early meat market. Is it? Yes. I mean, we've got to, the, the, You've got, we've got to talk about s- it's the reality of yeah, it. Yeah. We talked about sentimentality, but those, those <laughs> will be to the, the commercial side. lambs, will they?
3: they? will. Yeah. So they'll, they'll go, I mean, a little bit past that, but they'll, they'll stay there on their mothers for quite a while. They're a good oh, size yeah. before they go. Yeah. Um, and they, yeah, they'll go, they'll go for the early meat trade, and then these, the ones that will come in in a couple of weeks, uh, my uncle will decide whether he's going to breed from them, whether they'll go a little bit further on, but they tend to be um, lambs that he'll bring up as youngsters, and then maybe breed from them in a in a year or so, a okay. little a bit further down the line.
2: So, well, while we're talking about this, mm. certainly this is the reason, this is how you make the money, is by yeah. breeding either for markets or for your next generation of yeah to sell news. on, yeah. Um,
3: oh look at this! I love this.
2: Turkey tail fungus.
3: That's
2: a battery type. It
3: is a bit, isn't it?
2: yes yeah, so we're looking at a, a lovely piece of oak here with turkey tail fungus, which is a, it's like a fan, almost like a seashell, isn't it?
3: Yeah.
2: And then these huge gouges. a bit
3: like pansies. Yeah.
2: Yeah, pansies. Yeah, that's also. And then this log has been gouged almost with a mechanical... <laughs> yes. So there must be some bugs in here that are...
3: Something's gone at well, that. I imagine
2: the badger with that sort of strength. But, uh,
3: Wanted to get whatever was impressive. residing within.
2: Yeah. So we talked about, um, you know, obviously, a lot of these lambs are going to go to market. Oh, being vegetarian, straight, yeah, yeah. So And you're vegetarian, yeah. So.
3: Yeah, so I think it's... I mean, for me, and I suppose, as, as, as I said, some people will say, how do you um, farm sheep and then not eat them? But for me... I think it's, and this sounds, it's so hard to say it without sounding contrite or anything like that, but I think when you've got something there, everything is nurture, everything is response to how you look after it. And the sheep here, you can touch their heads, talk to them, because if you're kind to them, you look after them, and you, you know, the life that they're here, they're, they're doing us a great service, and I think the very least we can do is look after them to the, the high degree that, frankly, they deserve. Hmm. Um, and it's just a preference for me. I've got no issue with people that do eat meat. My issue is more how, how animals are dispatched. That's more of an issue for me. Right. I think if there's a more humane way to do it, or perhaps in the more traditional ways on a smaller scale, the world's so big now, you have to have these great big... You know, the ways of doing it is too industrialised. I don't like it, but that's that's me. Yeah. But I think um, it's a big it,
2: issue with it is, small, small abattoirs, small local abattoirs used to uh, have sort of died out a bit.
3: Yeah, you? and I think it's you know, but then you hear horror stories about how the Victorians used to, it, and Charles Dickens wrote about it prolifically because he was so offended by meat markets and things because he thought of mm. the cruelty. But I think, for me, I don't... George Bernard Shaw said, didn't he, and I'm going to sound like such an arse thing this, he said, animals are my friends and I don't eat my friends. And I think, whilst I'm not comparing myself to him in the slightest, of course, how could I? But um, he's absolutely hit it on the nose. So, for me, I see these girls all through the night. I spend time with their lambs. I chat to them. I put classic FM for them. You know, <laughs> the last thing I could do is eat them. Okay. Um, and so when they come in and if they, they kind of run muck or you know, before they're used to me again, I sort of say, look, I'm the last person on earth that's going to wish you any harm. And it was about so ten this years year ago. you don't eat any meat? No meat at all, not fish or anything. I always find it odd when people say, well, fish isn't meat. Of course it's meat, I don't eat animals. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I find that really quite... quite yeah, it's it's, quite I just think, oh, good for goodness
3: sake. sake, you know, and I, I think the... You know, it's hard, isn't it? Because I think farmers absolutely... This whole idea that veganism is going to save the environment simply isn't true. You only have to look at Las Vegas and realise that we're a drop in the ocean. You know, not eating meat is not going to change. It's electric. It's all these things that we do. I think the farmers need our support. I don't eat it because I just think of them as friends. I adore them. And so it's it's a lifestyle choice. But I think it would be blinker to think that not eating meat is the sole salvation of the environment. I'm afraid it isn't.
2: But do you have these conversations with other farmers and they say, um, oh, Alex, why... You know, all the time. Why, my uh, uncle why, why pulls why my
3: leg. My granny will yeah. always say, when are you going to grow out of it? Even our shearers, you know, they the all the dreaded vegetarian. You know, yeah, it's been a long, ongoing thing for years. So you're and quite a rarity
2: funny. among the farming community in terms of your... I mean, obviously you're very, you know, you're so part of this landscape. Yeah. Part of the, but in terms of your being a vegetarian I, mean, I, I don't think want to sort of really, labour too no much not at all it, it I, does, I think it's something that's really interesting
3: I think it's um, yeah and it's not it's not a kind of it wasn't done in any kind of way that was like you know if I do this it's going to single me out it was just a a, a choice really and I never ever mention it unless someone said, do you want to come for supper anything you don't eat and I go yeah carcasses <laughs> um, but other than yeah. that you know it, it, it wasn't a lifestyle choice in terms of trying to be you know a little bit rebellious it, it is solely because I love the animals and I think yeah it probably is unusual but then you know there's there's all sorts of lifestyle choices that people do that are pretty unusual aren't there and in shropshire being a vegetarian is probably the least quirky thing because shropshire is pretty eccentric you know there's a magpie there hello mr magpie how are your wife and yeah, children yeah yeah yeah. i'd like to
2: see um, two I've, uh, regular podcast listeners will know that i'm never totally happy in this well,
3: one for sorrow is not one, the best no, sign for no, us no, is it no, Fergus? No, no, no. really but more, um I, i'm sure of yeah. but yeah I mean this land I, do, I think we're custodians of it aren't we really and this, I sound like such a sort of soapbox <laughs> but it's, this, this was all here a very long time before us and I think the, the imprint you leave on it is essential and I think if you are going to have to labour the land and you are going to have to work the land then the least you can do is sort of respect it and respect the animals that, that are on this land really Are there lots of after small them.
2: farms like yours? I mean when I say small, 100 acres yeah, there, in, yeah in
3: Shropshire there's quite a few there's one just, there's, there's lots of, there's one just over there um, they've got some more, you know, and I, I won't say the farmers' names, you know, but no, the, no,
2: no, no, no. We we have all just run to alongside each other. Most of them around
3: here are that sort of size, and the. the the boundaries will kind of lap just about there, and you know, will someone add a little bit extra, a bit like Napoleon or something, and yeah. kind of go, move your fence, you know? But I think I'm sure most of my grandfather's I this, farm.
2: I think we'll have to get you on on our get, get, get you get play you a drink and get you to tell some of your <laughs> some <laughs> of the stories. Oh, it's
3: all in here, but there's a lot of old small farms and yeah. hill sheep, and you get the odd gain. You know, sheep comes off, and you think oh, that's not mine. I better phone farmer X, Y, and Z and say so your sheep's here. <laughs> yeah. But we all know each other, and everyone knows and it's, yeah, I mean, it is, all village green preservation society, really. Hola.
0: Hello. This call is being translated.
3: Abuela, listen to what my phone can do.
0: Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer.
1: Wow. Ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva.
0: Wow. Now tell me about this new girlfriend.
1: Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije.
0: You know what I said.
1: Language is no longer a barrier thanks to live translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. at least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time.
2: And, uh, we're back in the lambing shape because, as you can hear, the uh, the rain has closed in. <laughs> I think this might be the next bit of Storm Dudley, or maybe we're, we're on to Storm E in the alphabet. Oh, yeah. call the next one. Eunice
3: or Eustace, whatever that? they called it. Eunice, wasn't
2: it? Du- Dudley is a very dull name I mean, for a storm, but there we go.
3: Yeah, we'll Eunice is a Dudley. bit more... But uh, it's very atmospheric, isn't it? It's opportunistic yeah. timing that this has this has come in.
2: This is this is great. So um, I remember what I was going to ask you. Oh was, yeah. Um, do you have any concerns? Uh, yeah. So a lot of farms are being consolidated in oh, parts yes. of Britain. Oh yes. Yeah. So uh, and I've often heard sort rural economists say quite, you know, without any sentimentality at all, there's no room for the family farm in yeah. Britain. That uh, you know, this is like a you make a living
3: Yeah, no, we, we, we definitely do. And I think the thing is, you. I think, as with all things, it's about a combination of different attributes and skills. And I think my mum and I are very um, nurture, you know, nurturing in the sense. We love looking after them. We call this the nursery. My uncle, who's astute and very good at the paperwork and things like that, and he's very good at the breeding programme. I think it's, as with all things, and that's what you get with a family farm, that maybe you don't in some places is that combination of skills. And you know each other, you know each other's weaknesses, strengths. You know, my uncle knows we're good at the lambing, so he very much lets us head that up. So he gets really good lambs because he's good at the breeding side of things, but then we're good at looking after them and rearing them. And so I think with family farms, there's a real combination of skills. You learn to work alongside each other. You learn about the animals, you learn the old skills. And I think that really brings something. So whilst we haven't got loads of animals, those that are being sold on, as I said earlier, are good quality. They're a good size. They fetch a you know good price.
2: Yeah,
3: exactly. exactly. And they yeah. do well at marketing. And I think it's, you know, you get you get known at market. You know the auctioneers. You know the man who brings the animal feed. Everything is this small kind of world, really. Um, and I think I think that's important. So yes, you know, you're not turning over the type of money these huge farms are. Um, some places will be, but if you're more than self-sufficient, then I think that's enough. I think sometimes. Um, you know, success isn't measured slowly, uh, solely in pecuniary matters, is it? I think if you're running a farm no, that God funds you. itself, the animals are happy, you're happy, then we're already luckier than a lot of farmers because there's some that are really working to the bone and for whatever reason it isn't working for them. So, you know, I really feel for those people because arguably it's one of the hardest working industries and I think that they absolutely deserve the admiration. So for me to say, uh, you know, the farm's self-sufficient because we do X, Y and Z, probably a Little bit complacent there's a lot of farmers working really working their asses off, frankly, and it they really struggle. and I, I really feel for them, so we've been very lucky. And I think we've always stayed on a scale that's manageable, um, and that that maybe has worked for us. And also because you know, there's no rents to pay and things like that. So if you're a tenant you farmer, yeah, so my grandmother, yeah, exactly. So whereas I think tenant farmers and things, you know, and I. They've got their work cut out. They really, and I feel for them. And I'm in no position that I could never just go and buy a farm or anything. I've just been lucky enough to work on a family farm, but I'm yeah, I'm not blindsided to that. I don't. I'm not putting myself in a position saying it's solely because we do this. I think it's much more convoluted than that.
2: Do you, so. You, I probably haven't sort of have asked you who actually works on that You've got your uncle who's mm. the, the, he did sort of uh,
3: so my, in charge. My grandmother owns it. My uncle's very much in charge. He's the captain of the ship. Um, he knows what he's doing. His son. Um, is a very big help with that as well so I'd say they're the same main sort of guys Uh, you know he's his sort of wing commander or whatever I don't know what the navy phrase would be that's probably you know my military knowledge is a bit limited first lieutenant first lieutenant so let's let's go with that and then uh, mum and I are very much kind of the the midshipman or whatever I don't know what the term would be but we kind of come down I do I do the feeding um, we do the lambing together my mum is really I mean my uncle's got really good knowledge mum is very good at um, the more complex births and things like that although I've been delivering breaches and things on my own now so I've come on um, you know the last couple of years and um, yeah I think it's my uncle and his son their knowledge of the land and of animals and all that sort of thing is, is amazing and he teaches me things and you just pick things up along the way but yeah we, I do the feeding and the, so the mothering really it's,
2: yeah it's, well it's, it's great and I can see how passionate you are oh so I love provide, them yeah. it's a living for sort of five people just there's provide, what sorry it's a living for five people
3: yeah, well, so because my we do so we do other jobs as well, and then my grandmother obviously is. Um,
2: okay, so you do a little bit of. Work do, on the side to kind of yeah, top up the.
3: Working well. for a wine merchant and things, and yeah, because you know sustenance and all that, and you know you've oh, got to live.
2: So that's how it works as well. So you, yeah, you, and
3: I I write a few columns and things. So it's it's kind of yeah. I think you you do bits and bobs, and so I think really for us, if the farm is funding itself in the sense that it can keep going, and very much so keep going, then, then I think you'll kind of feel like you're doing your job. Um, and then, because you feel like a custodian looking after the place and looking after the animals. And then I think I do bits for, for wine merchants as well, doing their tours, and I do historical talks to them and, and yeah, uh, so organise their events and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably Jack of all trades, master of none, I think is probably <laughs> never a truer, truer word spoken. But yeah, um, but this is my, if I could be with sheep, full-time and largely I am then that would be you know um, that would be my absolute yeah never wears me down I love them I could be here all day they're hilarious
2: and what I suppose how do you see the future panning out what are the sort of hopes and fears for the farm
3: I suppose it's it's hard because you just you just don't know it could go anywhere I mean you could decide that maybe these places have to be split between siblings or maybe people can you know as long as someone's here and wants to run it, it so who sisters. knows is well it's right? it, my uncle has, is the one he's got there there he's one of five okay. and so you know as with anything who knows but um yeah. i know that my cousins and things and you know they, they all love the place and so you just you don't know it's like anything that's family owned you don't know when you know how long that story will go on for you can just oh, hope that, gosh, it, that it does so there's, yeah. there's
2: a sort of slight uncertainty somewhere on the horizon but, but then
3: um, I, but I suppose it's an uncertainty with anything isn't yeah, there gosh, you, yes. you know even yeah. you if something's doing well you just you just yeah. don't know one day to the next so i think i um i always just think i'm i'm grateful that i'm here and doing this now and i think that 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 stands in everything doesn't it
2: well i think you've earned a lunch yes i think that's there's just marvelous <laughs> there's these, you fed all the animals this time you were fed
3: yes they always eat before me that's the rule <laughs>
2: And so we left the rain and headed to the pub. And it was just really, we just carried on the conversation. It was just lovely listening to Alex talk about her life on that Shropshire farm. I left rather sadly, because it was such a lovely place, such a wholesome place to be. And she clearly so in tune with her animals and the land and the locals. I mean, as we walked along the street to the pub, she knew everybody, was waved at every single car. And I was rather envious of that sort of deep connection to landscape and to locality, which I don't have. I've moved around a lot um, in life, but here I'm at home in the podcast studio with Jack and Hannah again. And hello chaps, lovely to see you. Hello. Hello. I hope you enjoyed that trip to Stiper Stones in the Shropshire Hills and insight into the world of sheep. So yeah, so that's, well, that's what I've been up to out in the hills. A few other adventures in the meantime, which I hope we chat about later but i was wondering what you guys have been up to in the since since we last chatted i've been down on the
0: allotment ah
2: <laughs> farming yourself brilliant um i wouldn't
0: quite say farming yet um unless you count pulling weeds out the ground as farming
2: no i'd, I'd say a crucial part of preparing the land for for the growing season jack
0: oh yeah so it was a nice couple of hours on the sunday
1: what are you planning on planting
2: well, we've got a uh,
0: quite a few options this year. I know my, uh, my dad, who is his allotment that I just help out with. Um, uh, I think we've got some strawberry plants, some other sort of gooseberries and stuff like that, and probably get some
2: carrots and parsnips and stuff. Good, good, solid fare, root veg and fruit. Are you, you have. I know you have an allotment back in. I back do. In the well, home
1: my mum has an allotment which I adore and have spent very many merry hours there, but I'm not there at the moment. In Bristol, so I'm furiously jealous. Mm. <laughs> I want to give you all sorts of tips. Do you have
2: space for another labourer from <laughs> the, the land?
1: I can do the weeding. There we go. Yeah,
2: and planting. Oh, done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be. The, I'll just pick the veg.
0: Yes, everything else.
1: You can wear a nice hat and a big basket. Yes, yeah. fill the basket.
2: That's a crucial role, the uh, the harvester. Yeah, it's one of the toughest roles I've found. Yeah, yeah. Pick, get, get those beans
0: right at the top. That's uh,
2: comes <laughs> an handy bean tool.
1: We once had a an autumn that was so wet that all the slugs climbed up the bean poles. So we were trying to pick beans off, and there was just all these slugs under everything, over everything. It's amazing. It's like we were farming slugs.
2: <laughs> how do you feel about slugs? Happy? Happy about slugs. Yeah,
1: I yeah. like all those weird things. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, That's cool.
2: I was, I was I was sort of caught in two minds about whether we should denigrate the humble slug no. for all it's
1: They've got challenges. work to do and we should just let them do it.
2: Well, I find that something that moves so slowly and only has one foot it's incredible, the amount of <laughs> destruction, <laughs> amount of destruction yeah. it can wreak. But then it's it's happening at night. Oh, so if you, what's your best anti-slug tip for... How oh, quickly we've gone from sheep to slugs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, just picking them off, being persistent, checking things all the time. Really? Okay. Yeah.
0: Jack, uh, any slug advice? Now, um, I used to work in a coffee shop, and I'm very aware that ground coffee is are good for your plants, but also slugs don't like it. Okay. It doesn't hurt them. I just think they're not a fan of coffee.
2: Do you think they prefer tea to coffee? Possibly.
0: <laughs> Maybe just the, the caffeine, they're, they're too quick. They're, they can't.
2: I'm, I'm going to stray. In, in terms of sort of talking about what slugs are like to drink, I sometimes use beer traps.
1: Of course
2: you do. Of course I do. Well,
1: it's like That's like an old school
2: it's a, a method. Like old, so old school. And that does work, but I don't do it anymore because you sometimes catch other things and I once caught a lesser stag beetle and so I've never used it since so yeah I'm with you go out and collect them by hand and then um, release them into the wild well, somewhere else and, another tip
1: <laughs> but if you encourage birds into the garden and oh, that's perfectly hedgehogs acceptable. and all, hedgehogs, all that sort yeah. of thing
2: that's part of the web of life and uh, yeah I think that's, that's the very best if you've got a healthy ecosystem frogs and everything so there's your weekly slug advice from the <laughs> podcast. Um, I was going to say, we've got a bit of a postbag this month. And i would only mention it now because it may we've just been to Shropshire and our first letter is from Shropshire as well. And it's not from Alex. It's from, well, I'll, I, you've, got your, you've got the postbag.
1: So our letter is from Barbara Ashton in Uffington, Shropshire. And she says, In the BBC archives there is a recording from 1924 of a cellist, Beatrice Harrison, playing her cello in the garden with a nightingale singing in the trees overhead. Eighteen years later, in 1942, the BBC engineers were recording nightingales when bombers started flying overhead to a raid in Europe, and this was subsequently recorded in broadcast. We lived on a farm on the coast of Suffolk. In front of the house was an area of woodland. We used to watch the red squirrels in the trees and the nightingales sang in the summer nights. My father was so taken with the recording that one night, when there were bombers flying overhead to a raid somewhere in Europe, he woke me and my brother, took us outside, and we listened to the nightingales singing overhead, singing against the sound of the Merlin engines.
2: My goodness, that's really evocative and seems sort of really pertinent. Thank you, Barbara. It seems so pertinent at this time we're recording at a time of war in Europe again, and just like the power of sounds of nature against the sounds of obviously the Merlin engines of the of the aircraft, yeah, it's lovely. It's it's sad, and you know, there's there's something very evocative about that juxtaposition of the beautiful Nightingale song. Hopefully, hope, I'm really hoping we can go and record some Nightingale song this year. Um, we've had an invite. I'm not going to give any more away, but we've had an invite to go down to somewhere in Sussex and record a very very special evening there'll be music alongside nightingales
0: your debut on the cello <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I know will that be like the sound of soaring a cat in half um that's brilliant thank you and thank you for reading that Anna. It's Jack I, I believe you might even have something there's another treat from the from the post bag fresh
0: to the post bag we have a review
1: oh how fresh
0: fresh is in this week fresh yes. oh and it's a five star review. Oh, of course, it is marvelous. And I believe this—it's from Trout in Boots, who I believe has reviewed us before. So we're oh, very thankful. Thank you, Trout in Boots. And it's quite an sort of a quite emotional review. Uh, it's titled Sparrows, and the, the review is just thank you for these.
2: I miss them so much.
1: Oh, it breaks your heart, doesn't it?
2: So this is in response to one of your sound escapes, Hannah, which is. Uh, a recording of sparrows. In fact, I recorded that in my front garden. It's a group of sparrows just chirping away for I'm very very lucky to have a colony of sparrows in my garden and and there's two colonies in my street.
1: What kind of sparrows? House
2: sparrows, house sparrows. sparrows, yeah. So there's two species of sparrow in Britain. House sparrows and tree sparrows. Tree sparrows are super rare. Uh, I've hardly ever seen them. But house sparrows people think when you have them in your garden People think, oh, they're common as anything, but I think they've declined by ridiculous number. 70% might be uh, in the past 20, 25, 30 years for many complex reasons. Do you have sparrows down in, in your part of Bristol?
1: Yes. Oh, not in not in Bristol. In in Wales we do lots. And there's another soundscape actually that I did with dunnocks and I have sparrows. Oh, that's there's right. much further down the line. Yeah, but if you want more sparrows, we have them.
2: Yeah, and Dunnock's called Hedge Sparrows, which is a misnomer uh, because they're not related to the Sparrow family. Sparrows are more like finches, really. Thank you very much, Charts and Boots. You can find loads and loads, we've done over 50 now, sound escapes. One goes out every week on Friday with Hannah's dulcet tones introducing them. And they're just little postcards from the countryside. Talking of lovely sounds or curious sounds, I want to go back to last week's podcast which was when Jack and I went out with Tom from Bike Radar in the Forest of Dean on our e-bikes, or not our e-bikes borrowed e-bikes and at one point I recorded a little bit of audio, well we were talking and then some birds went overhead and well this is this is what I recorded and I, I need some help with it It's a finch, I think Well, so Jack and Hannah are laughing, um, and rightly so. I don't think that was a hawfinch. That was me just being really hopeful. I think that might be a crossbill or a couple of crossbills. There's certainly a little flock of large finches. We're so desperate to see hawfinches, and there are lots in there. Well, there's a good population in the Forest of Dean, particularly in winter. And um, but I think those were crossbills. However, if any listener can confirm do send me an email or or confirm they might be whore <laughs> um, Send Please send me an email to my address, which is editor at countryfile.com. I'd love to know your thoughts on that. If ever, if ever I do get it wrong, I'm very happy to be corrected because it's part of I just learn a bit more. On the way to work the other day, I was cycling along and in the middle of Bristol from having parked my car, I cycled to the office and I was on a busy road and suddenly there was this really st- st- like a shrieking sound from above me and it, I looked up and it's a sound I've heard quite a few times. It was a peregrine not, but really only I don't know 10 metres above my head circling around and shrieking. So I stopped pulled my bike onto the pavement and started looking up and looked around also at other people no one else seemed to have noticed it. It was amazing sighting. So and I was just too slow to record it, otherwise I would play it to you. But that's also been my wildlife highlight of the week. Yeah. Well, it's one the, of the things the...
1: I really wanted to see this year um, at Christmas time when Kev asked us what it was that we wanted to um, see this year. Oh ah, peregrines. peregrines.
2: Oh, well, yeah. that can definitely be fulfilled.
1: I managed to hear one in Bath last weekend, but I didn't quite get the glimpse.
2: So they're obviously very vocal this time of year. It's They do start relatively early. I think they're probably starting courting mating breeding that sort of thing right now so uh, to take advantage of all the small birds that are going to be produced <laughs> to feed their young so yeah we talked about a lot about this cycle of life for that so um, look out for peregrines and i wish i had recorded that because it would have made a good sound of the week we love it when listeners send in when you listeners send in anything that you capture from the natural world or or sounds of the countryside Please send them in. We love to hear them and we'll play them as our sound of the week in future episodes. And again, you can send those to my email address, which is editor at countryfile.com. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. So thanks very much for listening and join us again next week for another lovely adventure in the countryside.